Two for None, a cricket comedy podcast hosted by arguably the greatest first slip slash lower order hitter slash wily left arm orthodox that the Mosman Park Pirates 10th grade side ever saw, Christopher T. Barty. G'day Barty, how are you sir? I'm good thanks Paddy, how are you mate? Mate, living the dream, living the dream. And me, well, I'm currently 34th on this year's 6th grade Summerhill Cricket Club wicket takers list with some of the most inaccurate swing bowling the game's ever seen. My name is Patrick Cullen. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. No, you are not experiencing a DeLorean-like trip back through time. It is instead episode 50 of Two for None. We did it somehow, someway. Us, you, our correspondents scattered all around the world. It's time to raise the bat, salute the balcony, because ladies and gentlemen, it is episode 50. What a time to be alive. And as promised, I'm putting together, well, I have put together a compilation of some of our best moments and worst moments of our 49 episodes to date. So strap in, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, when I'm cutting in from the present moment, I'll put some music in underneath it so you know that it's me today as opposed to me in the past. Um, let's go straight into it and, and listen, going back to episode one, I am amazed at how poor our sound quality was. Take a quick listen to Chris Barty here. Uh, what did you make of the 11 coming into that first test of the Gabba? Yeah, well, it certainly um, was uh, quite the talking point, wasn't it, coming into the first test and it's really interesting, um, you know, I felt after last year's uh, home test series where we kind of had that massive turnover there leading into the Adelaide uh, day-night test um, that we find found ourselves in a similar position following a tough tour of the subcontinent. Um, it's remarkable that we got any listeners at all. So if you listen to that first episode by choice, thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, I'm going to try and cut in a little less from here on out, but I'm going to drop you into Tom Hawkey's very first bulletin. Here is your bulletin from a Brit, your epistle from an Englishman, your press release from a POM. It's really thoughtful of Prince Harry to announce his wedding so soon after the first test. I mean, that's why we have a royal family after all. If the crisis is looming, they'll do their level best to get married, get pregnant, or, in extreme cases, keel over and die. Good Queen Lizzie clearly has a vested interest in a better England performance in Test 2. Such was the start of a great innings from Tom, where he'd go on to at least hit 41 more bulletins. What a legend. But Chris Barty in the second episode had a very strange sound in his audio. Listen to this. Uh, looking at all sorts of uh, trouble, uh, certainly when he came in um, at 7 for 142, I mean, if they get skittled for 150, uh, you know, there's no coming back from there. So, um, you know, he did keep them in the game. I spent days trying to work out what that high-pitched tapping sound was. Chris told me the week after that he was playing with a bottle cap next to his computer's microphone. I mean, honestly. We started from humble beginnings. We had a scratchy beginning. We knocked a few off the square and just got off the mark. But Tom K. Hawkey kept on delivering like only Tom K. Hawkey can. Hawkey here with your bulletin from a Brit. If one of our Ashes debutants had performed this badly, they'd be dropped faster than Betamax for the third test. Cook, though, will be allowed to bat on, and we all just have to cross our fingers that he can regain the form of seven years ago. And, of course, he gave us some great links to some excellent sledging from the past. However, we've yet to hear any classic lines from either side. Just Google Flintoff 
Tino Best Windows if you want to see how sledging should really be done. And just like that, we were out of episode two and into episode three where Chris Barty bought a new microphone. And from there, ladies and gentlemen, we were off and racing. Look, it's been a great summer for Court and Bolts, hasn't it? Oh, Chris, um, they're calling it the summer of Court and Bolts. Well, you know, I mean, there's really two things you should have invested in this summer. One was Bitcoin, the other was Court and Bolts. <laughs> and no one saw either of those things going. In fact, I still don't understand Bitcoin. Someone was trying to tell me to invest in Litecoin today, and I am even more confused about what that is. Um, <laughs> Um, you got to have some sort of digital wallet. I don't know. If anybody can um, offer Chris financial advice, please get in contact with the pod. Shoot us an email. Find uh, us on look, Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty simple, man, Pat. I, put, I like my wickets bold and my coins tactile. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Chris Barty is still chasing financial advice if anybody can help a brother out. We are now rolling into the middle of our seasons and our sound problems weren't quite over, although our jokes were still good. And, and nicely for him... Uh, he was Mason Crane's first wicket. Uh, poor old Mason Crane. We should we should mention as well that he became the fourth English bowler in in his in Ashes history at least to get his first wicket on debut off a noe, mm. off a big old fat noe, a big fat dirty noe, um, and he would have had David Warner yeah. out. Um, but you know, Kawaja is not a bad replacement. So uh, it was. I was. I was a bit sad for for dear old Crano. You know what was exciting to see, mate? It was nice to see that Stephen Smith is not a time traveling robot sent back in time to yep. take runs, chew bubblegum, and kick ass, and that he's fresh out of bubblegum. He is, in fact, a normal human being. I don't think there's going to be any moment. I'm really, I'm really excited mm. about hearing your thoughts here because uh, there's going to be no moment that's going to bring you, CTB, more joy than seeing two Marsh brothers make hundreds. Oh. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, Sean Marsh made 156 off 291 and his brother Mitchell made 101. I mean, talk to me about sauce first, mate. I mean, give me some thoughts about, about that 156. Oh, mate. I mean, it was... Um it was it was a great innings, wasn't it? I mean, he still had some work to do when he came to the crease. Australian middle orders of of recent years may have uh, found that task a bit of a steep climb, but uh, came in batted beautifully. What more can you say? Really, it was just in total command from from ball one. I might be putting words in your mouth here, CTB, but neither of us really saw it coming. Um, no, well, we, we, it's, I, it's funny, mate. Um, I think the reason why we did so well is that we didn't get our ducks in a row. Aha! Uh-huh. We actually put some runs yeah. on the board. As our jokes got better, and my ability to produce audio and Chris's ability to get a good microphone all came together, Tom K. Hawkey was just doing what he did best making those good gags and making them regularly. Top tip two Compared to England, grounds around the world are often total roads, and we don't know how to play on them. So, to prepare for playing on Road to the Future, why not turn the strip at Lords into an road. Bonus points for running tight twos during rush hour traffic. Top tip four, play better cricket. And top tip five, kidnap Steve Smith. If possible, fudge his birth certificate so he can represent England in future. Yeah, not much luck there, TK. But just as we were sort of figuring our stuff out, getting better at this whole podcasting shenanigans, Australian cricket was falling apart. I'm talking, of course, about the ball tampering scandal. It's generally understood that Australian teams don't do this. You know, you just, no. you just, you just don't do it. So You just don't. So we've, we've, you know, so now that kind of moral high ground that we had is gone. Uh, you know, we can no longer kind of, you know, 
sit there and tell other countries what to do. Um, so that and Chris, this is going to follow Steve Smith and Cameron Bancroft for the rest of oh. their careers. Like cricket is, you know, and and the liberal elite media like us, we don't forget this sort of stuff. No. You know, it's not as if Steve Smith is going to go from here and this is all going to blow over. I mean, match fixing, it stays in people's minds. I mean, Muhammad Amir, when he got done for spot fixing, had to go to jail for five years and then work his way back up through cricket before he got to re... It took him basically a decade to make his comeback from that. And look like... I'd say that this is a step below that. But not by much, and especially for Australia. I mean, it's just, it's not how we play. It's not how we roll. I mean, if our team loses, we want to see them go down fighting, And you know? And you know what? Like, there's, so there's a couple of things that, that uh, before we get into the futures of the players and all that kind of thing, there's a couple of things that make me disappointed and... Uh, frustrated and angry and sad and all that kind of thing. And people might say, well, what do you care? Like, you don't even play. Like, you, you know, you're just a supporter. But like, um, you know, well, you're not, you know, you're not out there and this doesn't affect you and blah, blah, blah. But like, we as consumers of the game, like pay money to go and watch these guys play. Or people pay money to buy a, a pay television subscription or a digital subscription mm. to watch them play because of the you know the the mastery and the skill and the manner in which the guys play the game and the the hundred and you know you know hundred or so years of, of history that have uh, have gone before them um, you know in Australian teams you know aren't built on you know winning all the time and, and winning at all costs you know we're built on getting flogged and kind of bouncing back like so it doesn't yeah. matter you're gonna it doesn't matter that you're gonna get flogged you know so that that all really frustrates me yeah it was a really bad time for australian cricket the worst of times some would say in fact the only good thing to come out of that south african tour was the arrival of chris the good man goodrick into our lives as our south african correspondent sunny bonani kunjalo Kuyamora, good day, Straya. Straya. Bloody hell, Paddy, what a test match we just witnessed there, mate. This wonderful music that is coming into your Australian ears is our favourite cricket sound. This is A.B. de Villiers with Ampi Dupria, Mark Yo Droma Vier. Yes, Australia, our favourite cricketing, cricketing son, one of the greatest players to ever play cricket, sings a little Lieliki in Afrikaans. And I thought, what more appropriate time to, you know, play a song. Yeah, let's listen to the chorus again. Here we go. Some bloody song, Patrick. And so we'd go on a musical tour of South Africa with Chris the Goodman Goodrick over the next 40 episodes. But just like Australian cricket, two for none couldn't stop there, folks. As much as we wanted to, we had to keep rolling on without Smith, Warner and Bancroft into the bold unknown. No, I'm, I'm very excited to be back, Pat. You know, these, these heady times of Australian cricket. Uh, much uh, yeah. uh, a summer of uncertainty awaits us. But, uh, oh, you know, I'm excited to see what summer happens. of uncertainty. I love that, Bardo. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's actually a, 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 I've been optioned um, by <laughs> HBO, and um, along with Bardo's optioning came with new segments in the new year, including Pope Watch and Crick Lit. 
This is uh, page 174 of Michael Clark's My Story. I remember once after a particularly rousing Ashes victory in Headingley, the boys were in high spirits in the changing room. I wasn't in the party spirit though, because I sent Lara a photo of a kitten in a teacup at lunch and she hadn't texted me back. And on top of that, airport security had confiscated my hair, hi- hair highlighting kit. Watto came over with a beer and tried to lighten my mood, but the smell of brute was so overwhelming I almost gagged. Then Ricky Ponding shouted over, said that I should come over because he had got me a crisp Sav Blanc and the lads knew I wasn't keen on beer. But when I reached him, it turned out they didn't have any Sav Blanc. They just made it up to hurt my feelings. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what I'd be interested in is like the Pope comfort wall. So, uh-huh. Please continue. <laughs> like... I don't know if you remember like Channel Nine coverage, the thing called the the comfort wall. Uh-huh. It was like anyways, it was like the Tony Gregg did this thing where like he would do like the pitch and weather conditions. Yeah, and then there was like the there was like a part of the pitch and weather conditions that was like the player comfort meter. Ah, oh, okay, okay, okay. And it was some sort of magic formula. <laughs> The Tony device? Yeah. Well, well, I don't know what she had to do with it. But sure. so, somebody had something to do with it. And, um, the you know, it was like an algebraic equation where they were like, okay, if we take the temperature times the humidity times the wind factor uh-huh. times the greenness of the pitch, if the key gets three jags in, <laughs> divided by the number of, you know, jumpers on the field... Um, plus the number of umpires. Plus the number of umpires. Square root the number of people root. in the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, Bim Das Lamingtons <laughs> in the tea room. Anyway, and they come up with this number, right? Sure, yeah. um, uh, and and that was the play. What I want <laughs> is that specifically on on Lloyd Boat. Yeah, uh, there's a, a a late breaking press release from the oh. from the Saka. From a sacker. Breaking news. Um, they said they haven't made a decision on whether Lloyd Pope um, has been included in the team. Mm-hmm. But if he is picked, we'll be notified by some white smoke being puffed from the chimney of the Adelaide <laughs> Oval. Um, I mean, I, I get it's, uh, it's four day cricket, so I get it. What? Uh, sure, you got to stick to a thing, but very unusual. And as the white smoke billowed out of the sacker, Chris and I knocked a few more off the square, maybe even hit one for four to get ourselves into the twenties. Here's a selection of my favourite clips, going up to episode thirty. After a fantastic effort from the Australian team, oh. you know some who don't oh. follow cricket will think the term "exciting draw" is an oxymoron. Um, but not you and I, Pat. Um, the only I would go as far as to say that those people are just morons, Chris. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, can't argue with that. You know, they're the kinds of people that mispronounce Abu Dhabi as <laughs> Abu Dhabi. How very dare but you! But those Bardo. people aren't in this uh, room. They're not on this podcast. No, no, no. No, surely not. <laughs> surely one of them doesn't host this podcast. No. Um, he would definitely be a ginger freaking idiot. He'd be a ginger moron. Yeah. Is what I'd call that fella. Yeah. Um, but no, look, I've checked my dictionary, Bardo, and I've got my pronunciations on point Excellent. for the rest of the show. So um, let's just all be excited about that. Strap in, folks. We should also mention that uh, Crick Lit. Our new segment is taking us slightly longer to come to terms with than we maybe would have liked. <laughs> Look, it's 
<laughs> turns out Chris Gale's life takes a bit longer to read than maybe a week, turns out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's um, it's meteor than expected. Uh, and good on. It's media. It's, hey, good one. You know? It's just like Chris Gale himself, you know? It's, it's a meaty. It's meaty. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. And the thing that, like, upset me... Yeah, hit me. Right. The thing that upset me was, aside from Finchie, uh-huh. who's the captain of the T20 squad, who performed pretty well in the test mm. matches, um, it's a different team. Yeah. It's a different team. Yeah. They shouldn't be carried. There's no medal scars. No. Different team. Different team. And actually, you go down the list and like, that's pretty close to our best T20 lineup. But that's, that's a good team. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yep. That's a good team. It's a really good team, Chris. But they got routed. And they got rolled. <laughs> they got bloody rolled. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and your your face right now, mate, is just a picture of sadness. Just uh just utter devastation, B man. It's it's pretty upsetting actually. Bloody rolled! <laughs> Twice! Don't feed me this f- Oh, I shouldn't. Oh, I don't. Don't sweet. Don't feed me this stuff about. Oh, my bat was down, uh-huh. and the third umpire got me out. What about the ten other blokes? Yeah, this is rubbish. Kunjani. <laughs> Good day, Australia, and good day, Paddy. Good to be back, mate. Good to be back. And, uh, yeah, finally watching some cricket again, mate. It's been a while. And, uh, yeah, I suppose good to see the Aussies and the South Africans back at it. It's always a good contest. Um, so, yeah, I'd put on a big score. I think we'll bring it home. But uh, it's all going to depend on those batsmen. That's my call, Paddy. See you later, mate. See you later. Maybe Australia just has to play better cricket and will win more games. Cheers to Chris Goodrick for an excellent yarn from a yarpy. Mate, before we sign off, I thought we should announce our next piece of Crick Lit. Um, and I, I think you've got it up your hey, sleeve. Sorry, just, you, so just before you do that, uh, um, you said playing better cricket wins games. Oh, yes. Now, is there like some sort of negative gearing arrangement? <laughs> <laughs> we can... <laughs> engineer because <laughs> I'm pretty sure <clears throat> our new prime minister is pretty fond of negative gearing uh-huh. um, and I'm just wondering if it's if it, you know it's good for the country it might be good for the cricket great for the country um, Chris great for the country how would negative gearing in cricket work not sure um, <laughs> buy low sell high um, something like that anyway look Chris to understand um, that you'd have to I understand how we were talking we were talking cricket. You're we're talking cricket, yeah. We so were. Go ahead. What I will say is, to, to understand that, you'd have to understand how negative gearing works. I don't think either you or I are qualified for that sort of action. About time. And one of the icons, the cricket icons of the 20th century. So, um, you know, from someone that is uh, arguably one of the icons of the 21st century, <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to um, learn about cricket from another era. I'm excited about that, but it also means I can finally get out my Richie Benno 2 for 22. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> ooh, okay. Ooh, um, that wasn't so like good. We're, uh, we're going to get some um, uh, mail from the Benno family trust. I'm really <laughs> sorry because 
We didn't, we didn't start this out meaning to be disrespectful. In fact, we're reading the book to be respectful, to learn. <laughs> Somehow um, we've, we've uh, ended up there. Well, look, I mean, uh, we'll take a poll, folks. I'll put it on the, uh, I'll put it on the Facebook page. And uh, if you liked my Richie Benno impression, I'll crack it out again next pod. If you think it's disrespectful, I'll put it back in the kit bag and we'll never see it again. <laughs> Fortunately, folks, we never saw it again. What we did see again was Heidi Cheadle, our women's cricket correspondent, who not only came on with some great chat, but also helped us get the Irish cricket team on for some interviews. When she came on the pod, I asked Heidi about what she had to say to people that said women's cricket wasn't up to scratch. Here she is. And what I wanted to ask you was, how much of that sort of nonsense do you come into face-to-face as a women's cricketer? And and what would you say to those sorts of mugs who... I would say cop on. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're very good and they're professional and you can... Get, you know, I'll tell you where to go. A lot of those Irish girls, you know, they were capped at 14. Get out of here. Like, that's... I mean, yeah, they're a small nation, but they still put the work in. They're still training. They're still doing what they can do with what they've got. And you can't fault them for it. Like, um, there was an interview after the game and the captain, Laura, you know, she kind of was like, you know, I wonder what it could be like if we were professional. And that's exactly right. Like, more resources, more whatever mm. it is... If we can if we can pump it into them, then we can bring everything up. You know, everyone will be, be better. Wonderful, mate. That's really cool. And hey, Laura, what are you doing down in Melbourne at the moment, mate? I am actually playing for um, Dandenong Cricket Club um, along with Kim Garth, who is my vice captain for Ireland. Amazing, amazing. You've been doing okay? Taking a few wickets, getting a few rounds? Um... Look, um, I... <laughs> there's a lot of pause there, Laura. There's a lot of pause there, pal. Oh, God. There was a lot Played of pause. I have played um, <laughs> about four games. So I... Um, yeah, look, the team are doing really well, but I still have a lot of work to do and I'm trying to settle in and hopefully the best is yet to come, so... And, mate, I actually I actually ended up getting put in touch with you and uh, Neil as well, um, thanks to uh, Craig Easdown at, at Cricket Island, who corrected me after Heidi and I did our first episode and let us know that some of the girls in the Irish women's side debuted at 13, not 14. Um, and I guess I just wanted to know how that happened and where you find these talented girls that come out and play for Ireland at such a young age. I know, it's crazy. It's wild, dude. It is, absolutely. It's crazy. Um, I suppose at 13, I don't know, I was still in school. You guys were probably still in school. But yeah. Gabby most Lewis. people are still in school at 13, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> totally fair. Um, I know Lucy O'Reilly spent four weeks with the Irish team in Bangladesh when she was 13, made her debut um, and slotted in straight away. And she's probably, along with Gabby Lewis, who also made her debut at 13, um, are two old heads in our Irish team yet. They're wow. still incredibly young. So, yeah, they're fast-tracked and only 17 and 19 at the moment, um, but have a lot of caps between the pair of them. So It's unreal. Really impressive. They're also legend human beings, so they've kind of grown up, which is probably a testament to your team as well, being in that slightly older environment and kind environment, of yeah, travelling yeah. and being and living and doing. Like It's, it's yeah. a really great culture. I'm, it's it's so good. Forged, forged ahead. I don't think if we, if we hadn't got to the Super 8 and 07 and got the funding and got the extra fixtures, we might not have been quite as good as they were in 11 but yeah it's a tough one I actually think I actually think Ireland's best performance in a World Cup match was 
beating the West Indies and Nelson in 2015, chasing 323. I think it was a wonderful game of cricket. We we, we played as a whole. It wasn't necessarily one one person stand out. It was all all 11 lads chipping in. So I think that was, to be honest with you, I think the Windies win in Nelson 2015 was a better win than both of those other games we mentioned. Is that a, is that a common trait of Irish cricket? You think that they... You didn't have, you didn't have that bit of information. Uh, no, I well. didn't, mate. You but got us. A, we managed to catch a few of your highlights too, mate, in the, sec, in, in the second dig. Um, some, some tasty uh, cut shots there. Is that a favourite shot of yours? Uh, I like... No, I, yeah, I don't mind a cut. I like a leg glance, but I tried the leg glance off Mohammed Amir and my... Uh, off a middle stump got spent like 40 <laughs> yards flying so uh, <laughs> didn't didn't work out too well but no it was good. i didn't get too many runs as as some as some absolute nuffy in club cricket in england told me this summer you only have a test match average of nine you can't be much good so that was that brought me down to earth pretty quick well i'll tell you mate, I'll tell you what mate, <laughs> mate if you just stick about your uh, your test match batting average just reminding your first class bowling average is also nine so you know there's a bit to go on there have you got a, a message you'd like to pass on uh, down south well, all, to all my friends at both Mossman and North Sydney, I hope they're having a good season. My friend is captain of Mossman, uh, Scott Rogers, so I wish them all well. I hope they're staying out of uh, staying out of cargo bar on a Saturday evening and uh, the like that and uh, just behaving themselves as always. I'm sure they did, Niall. I'm sure they did. What an absolute legend. And with the departure of those Irish champs, arrived an Indian team on Australian soil, ready to take a few scalps. We needed an Indian correspondent, and who better than Jai, the analyst Singh. Chris Barty gives us some background. So I went to school with Jai, uh, known Jai a long time. Um, Jai Singh is the only person I know that rolled up to school with a handmade, homemade, bespoke cricket bat. Incredible, incredible. And now I don't know if he if he brings that up in his Indian interjection this week. But Jai, I need you to talk about this thing, brother. Like this was an incredible piece of uh, carpentry. And now I've been asked to turn to another matter and shed some light on one of the greatest revolutions in cricket kit manufacturing since DK Lilly unveiled the aluminium bat in 1979. I must say I'm rather astonished at Chris Barty for remembering it, let alone thinking it worthy of a global audience. But here goes. The year was 1998. I was already cricket mad, but extremely slight of build and poor of eyesight. I think it was these factors that prevented me from getting a bat in the schoolyard cricket game at lunchtime. So I decided to form a game of my own and tried to enlist all the people who were even less talented than myself, i.e. those people who didn't know how to play cricket at all. Rather than aping my rivals and purchasing my own standard set of yellow plastic bats and stumps, I decided to produce my own wooden bat. Of course, when I say I, you have to remember that I was only nine. So a lot of the steps involved, like the thinking and the doing parts of the process, were taken on by my father. I continued to use those bats for social hit-outs right into my 20s. Don't tell Chris because I didn't invite him to them. And the bats do actually have a sweet spot. It just isn't very big. So if the ICC is looking for a new bat design to restore the balance between bat and ball in the modern game, I may have the answer you're looking for. Man, let me just point this out real quick. <laughs> real quick. Uh-huh. Jai Singh is an OG of cricket. Hides, I'm not sure if I've mentioned that to you. I keep love his union. Yeah. Keep his Absolutely. union, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. What's uh, what's what's uh, uh, Rachel Priest like as a keeper? Is she pretty tidy? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not one to bring a keeper down. <laughs> um, obviously, like... You're the best. Thank you, PC. Thank you. 
Thanks, Hides, for an excellent uh, segment. Really appreciate you jumping on board the pod. Great to have a female voice in here, Bardo. Break it all up, mate. Break it all up. Break yep. up all of the dudes. Looks just, again, sorely lacking. Sorely lacking. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to create a meta podcast called Two for None. The, sorely lacking, the Two for None story. It's going to be a podcast about all the things the Two for None lacks sorely. Um, no, but so good to have Heidi Cheadle, so, someone that uh, can speak with, with uh, 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 not necessarily more enthusiasm about the women's game, because you and I are very enthusiastic about the women's game, um, but uh, maybe a little bit more uh, uh, knowledge. <laughs> yeah, just straight up knowledge. Um, but a big shout to my man, my favourite name, I think, in Sheffield Shield cricket, Alex Pycroft. Alex Pycroft. He wasn't. Yep. He wasn't slinging pies that day, B. No, well, it's the joke makes itself. Um, but uh, in his second first-class outing, by the way, um, uh, I think he had fantastic figures of uh, five, for five for twenty-eight off eleven. Um, so big shout there to to the pie. Uh, we will be. I don't think Pie Watch quite has the same ring to it as Pipe Watch. Um, the piece of bowling though that. that kind of intrigued me the most was the way in which lion removed uh removed pant the way in which lion removed pant pat um <laughs> it's not quite pycroft but it's close isn't it yeah keep yeah, going well, what enticed you about the way that he got pant the, the way well the thing that, in, that enticed me about the way that lion removed pant um <laughs> Pat uh, was uh, the, just I thought it was just a clever piece of bowling where um, it, it, he was uh, pitching the ball uh, a lot more on uh, sort of middle and leg um, and Pant was um, uh, taking him to the cleaners um, uh, the Pant was taking him to the cleaners as opposed to Lion <laughs> taking Pant to the cleaners um, there's so many oh, things you can do here. Um, but B-Train, let's dive in to this test of feet, shall we, mate? Um, and just give me your overall initial thoughts, pal. Uh, well, um, what well was first thought, it was, a, it, was a, it was a draw, um, not a defeat. Uh, rained out. Uh, I mean, it, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Technically, yeah. sure. It was around this time of confusion around results, silly jokes and bad puns that our favourite punching bag of a nation first cropped up. Uh, by all people, Jai Singh fired the first shot. It turns out after a bit more research, New Zealand won the 1985-86 series. Well, Richard Hadley won it and a few of his mates showed up as well. So I did want to issue that correction uh, in case any New Zealand podcast listeners start complaining, which will probably happen at some point in the next five years when New Zealand gets the internet. Oh, anybody got any ice water for those burns? Goodness gracious. Well, while Jai Singh was firing shots, we brought on Roscoe Thatil, actual cricketer and genuine Sri Lankan legend, to have a chat about the struggles of the Sri Lanka's test side. Hello, this is Roscoe Thatil with your update from Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka were pretty bad in the second test. Uh, it's sad to watch how bad they were, to be honest. Uh, it wasn't that great. Uh, things uh, have been pretty uh, bad for Sri Lanka during the past couple of weeks. Not past couple of weeks, it's been a long time coming. The past couple of years have just gone downhill for Sri Lanka. And 
as expected uh, plenty of changes for this tour of south africa especially in the test squad the captain has been uh, rested according uh, to uh, the reports but uh, seems like he's been dropped out of this team while things weren't going so well for the sri lankans we were also having our own production troubles for two for none trying to wrangle everybody to get together for the world cup and give us a whole heap of live bulletin chats or interviews was proving really difficult chris barney had a weird train of thought and i had a brilliant idea that would change two for none do you know what i've, do you know what I've always wondered though it seems we're not gonna have any time off i'm just gonna ask this question because i was right you know when you <laughs> calls like a hotline or a helpline or something and then they say the following call may be recorded for training purposes uh-huh. have you ever wondered if they actually have used your phone call for training purposes <laughs> and I'm sure what they have the, i mean and i'm what a charming the, what, man you know well i mean maybe they, uh, maybe they have but what have they said about you in the group room because i imagine there's like a group of people uh-huh. They're at a seminar, they're doing or, or, or a professional development session, or perhaps they're doing an induction. And they'd all be asked to assess the conversation. And what are they going to say? What are, they, what, are they gonna say? what are they saying about you or me? That's what I want to know. What are they saying? Um, Where are you going the- with this? But I've got a, I've got a, I've come up with a good plan, a good alternate plan for what we can do here. So I've got in my hot hand, I have, um, interjections, bulletins, and yarns from none other than Tom K. Hawkey, Chris the Goodman Goodrick, and Jai Singh. Um, so I figure, Bardo, with this episode, we're just going to look at the big four. We're going to look at the big four test-playing nations and preview yep. them for the World Cup, which begins tomorrow. So, Pat, what, what you're essentially saying is that there's a series of pre-recorded conversations that are going to be used for training purposes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to discuss them. Um, and they just happen to be about cricket. Well, 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 Christopher T. Barty. Well, well, well. I'm very impressed by that. I thought you were just on some kind of random tirade, but you had a plan all along, sir. <laughs> Don't you worry. I was on a random bent. I just got bailed out. Chris Barty on a random bent that had never happened. And so, just like that, two for nuns, hold up hay was born. A segment and a way of doing the show that would totally revolutionise the way we did it. We kicked things off in our very first episode of doing this with Chris the Goodman Goodrick. And let me tell you, South Africa at the time was struggling. Just take a listen to how he feels about it. So where to next, Patrick? My goodness me. Um, it's been emotional, mate. It's been sleepless nights. It's been lots of curries. It's been shitting myself. Oh my goodness, mate. And here we go. India is next. And I did watch um, India versus South Africa uh, this four years ago in the great MCJ, mate. And bloody hell, it was like an Indian home game. So I think no matter where the Indians play, they're gonna it's gonna feel like a home game. So you know, two. 2-0 down, South Africa going to play India. It's going to be tough, mate. It's going to be really tough. And with South Africa doing it tough, enter Michael the Stuck Wood to talk about New Zealand. And, you know, McCullum famously was um, those final, and that final over was uh, uh, in the team toilet smoking with two uh, Indian caterers. Um, and he, you know, just to get away from the smoke detectors and um, he was just working his way through a packet of cigarettes. So, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Doesn't it? I feel like 
in comparison to other professional sports and athletes, the ratio of cricketers who smoke versus cricketers who don't, I'm not saying it's a high proportion. I'm just saying it's higher than other sports. I mean, I, and that's all anecdotal. Yeah. You don't hear of like Ronaldo coming off at the 88th minute. Well, yeah, you don't, you don't hear dart. of Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo smoking darts, do you? You don't hear of uh, really Tiger. anyone. No. I was going to say Tiger Woods, but uh, he's probably had a few. Well, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He got pretty nefarious for a while there, Tiger. And that's one of the interesting things I love about these um, global uh, explorations that we have each week. Because I learn something you know, you, you learn about a different side of the apple, don't you? I mean, I well, mean, I'm learning about a different side of the apple, Chris. You know, How many sides are there? Let's find more. That's what I'm about. Yeah, well, I think there's only one side because it's a sphere. But <laughs> <laughs> so much science in this episode. I would be so annoyed if Australia went to to wake up after the final the next day and see <laughs> bloody Dum Dum Warner on the front page. What was he? father of the bloody year or something standing next to the world cup oh that that would be annoying if you look at the the cock run out van dusen run out morris run out i mean the morris one i cannot even watch it it, how he ran his baton um dismissals van dusen trying to reverse sweep faf charging down the wicket it's just hold up chris Mm. did you see van dusen's attempted reverse sweep it wasn't good Oh boy! Was, oh boy! Was against against India, he was. Oh man, he had his foot about I'd say a foot down the wrong line <laughs> and got bowled around his legs trying to reverse sweep a leg spinner. It was a seriously bad look. <laughs> he's a very good golfer, Steve. Yeah, you know I mean, he was telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he hits him quite well. Okay. So anyway. Who is who uh, is New Zealand's best golfer? Oh, oh it might be Michelle Wee, actually. Oh, you know what? I think you might think be I'm, on something I, there, yeah, I, think I, I think I might be. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. We were not onto something, folks. We were actually talking about Lydia Ko, not Michelle Wee. Lydia Ko got to be number one in the world there. So uh, not only were we not onto something, we were completely wrong. Our bad, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we'll try and be better in the future when it comes to that sort of stuff. <laughs> I've also worked out the best way to beat the Aussies. David Warner has sometimes seemed confused as to whether he's playing in a test or an ODI. England should therefore come out in their cricketing whites, set a field with three slips in a gully, and bowl rhythmically just outside off. He'll assume that the ashes have begun and chip away with a strike rate of around 50, and before he realises what's going on, the 50 overs will be up for just 200 runs. And while Tom's plan may have not come to fruition, Chris Barty stumbled into the greatest piece of sledging the pod has seen. The geography of New Zealand. But is New Zealand a small island nation? Would... I think... I, I would say so, but They've got a population of 4 million, which is less than the population of Sydney. And uh, the islands themselves are, are pretty little. I mean, right. comparatively, I mean, okay. I, I, it, you know, it's bigger than it's bigger than a lot of stuff for sure. It is sure. an entire nation. We'll give it that. Sure. 
but it is uh, a very small in comparison to the size of Australia, for example. I would have said it was, a, a, you know, as far as islands go, I would have thought it was pretty big. Right? As far um, as islands go, I'll agree I agree. I mean, it's that. not as big as ours, but <laughs> what a ridiculous, uh, what a ridiculous comparison that is. Yeah, ours is. Bigger. I mean, we're, well, we're the world's biggest island. But yeah, some would say. Some would, well, think, no, science would say. Um, <laughs> the experts would agree. Uh, th- that might be something I'm, I'd be interested to pose to Michael Wood. Ah, oh, the stick. Is New Zealand a small island nation? Uh, I'll, I'll I put that in the tooth and unchat and see what he comes I'm back I'm interested. With. And he said in reply, um, I mean, it's three islands, two main islands. <laughs> so he just corrected my, my syntax there. And he makes... He, is it three islands? Three islands, mate. Yeah, three. I thought it was two. There's two main islands, but there is a huh? third smaller island. I didn't know that. Well, I see, didn't know that. Chris, come to two for none for the cricket. Stay for the geography, my friend, <laughs> because it is. <laughs> we are not something. just hat racks on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. No. This is not our first no. rodeo, um, and this is exactly why. You know, last last pod we insulted the people of New Zealand by getting Lydia Ko um, confused from a Michelle Wee. <laughs> this week we've yep. insulted the people of New yep. Zealand by. Uh, we did. By getting Didn't wrong the number of islands, so I'm not expecting this to go yeah. wrong, go viral down there. Well, though. no, I don't think. I think I've just lost my post to the high com- the New Zealand High Commission. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get there anytime soon, Bardo. But a man who is on the rise made his debut on Two for Nuns shortly after this controversy. None other than Adam Hassan, our 17-year-old English-living, Pakistan-supporting, Pakistan correspondent, came out of the woodwork and made his debut. Making his debut. Steps out to the middle. What's he got? Hi, everyone. This is Adam Hassan with a report on Pakistan. It hasn't been a great start to the tournament for Pakistan. We did beat England, but we've lost to the West Indies, Australia and India, and we were unlucky to have a winnable match against Sri Lanka Randolph. Safars won the toss against India and decided to bowl, despite his Prime Minister Imran Khan saying he wanted us to bat first. And our problems really started from there. Hold up. How amazing is it that the Prime Minister just quickly chimes in and is like, nah, 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 mate. you gotta, you got to go out and bat first. If you're thinking about having a bowl on this wicket, you're crazy, Safaraz. You've got to get out there with the willow. <laughs> So if we can get our team selection right for the match against South Africa, we have a good chance of winning. And a victory there could propel us onto a winning streak like that of 1992. We may not be in a great position, but Pakistan are by no means out of this World Cup. What a, what a, great, what a great debut from the young man, Bardo. What a oh, great debut there. Just uh, reminiscent of Mark Warren 1991 at the Adelaide Oval. <laughs> Love that we really appreciate it, folks. And if you could take this a second to do that, it would, would really mean a lot to us. Um, we really have enjoyed this podcast. Obviously, if you live on Stewart Island in New Zealand, you're probably exempt. <laughs> yeah, scratch. Probably you're definitely exempt. But a man who was not exempt was Alex Spinks, who came in to fill in for Chris Barty and became a fixture of the show. Here's a couple of my favourite highlights from Spinksy stuff and from the rest of the World Cup. Co-hosting with me today, I have a man who has been a long-time listener, first time sitting in the chair, Alex the Sphinx. Sphinx, how are you, big man? Yeah, good. You stole my opening line. <laughs> long-time listener, first time caller. Alrighty. Well, all right, I'm glad you got the comedy down. I'll, I'll just sit here for the analysis. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody's here to do some analysis, man, because yeah. it's been sorely lacking in this yeah, entire... I'm, I'm very much an, a numbers nerd, so uh, well, that'll be clear as, as the pod goes on. Arguably the best moment of the match was when a five-ball over ended up becoming a seven-ball over. They thought only five balls had been bowled, 
so they called Morris back to bowl another delivery, and upon the over being completed, they realised it was actually a seven ball over. I love the idea that something as village as that can still happen in the World Cup in 2019. <laughs> oh, no. uh, isn't that great? It's a small moment, isn't it? In this World Cup, we've seen the exact same results, which can only mean one of two things. Either Pakistan are going to win the World Cup this year, or Safaz is going to become the Prime Minister of Pakistan in 2045. <laughs> Hi, the stick here from the small island nation of New Zealand. In terms of population, we are by far the smallest of the countries competing, and as current leaders of the Cricket World Cup table, some would say we are pushing well above our weight. Stewart Island, our Tasmania equivalent at the bottom of the country, is our third largest island, and that currently has 402 people residing on it. India has 3.33 million times the number of people than Stewart Island. I would say most cricket fans love the numbers and the statistics, and all I'll say is, I bet every other nation is relieved that the points table isn't multiplied out by ratio of population. Like he's, he's fantastic. I, oh, I love the nation. Like he had to be talked out of retirement to come back into this tournament. Get out of here. Yeah, because he was dropped. He Big struggle with injuries. He wasn't enjoying cricket that much. And then I think it was an SOS about three, four months ago where they went, Nish, we need you. We need you in the squad. Get back here, Nish. Yeah, we need, we need a smile again. <laughs> Come on, Nish. We need to know what love is, Nish. Exactly. I want to know what love is. Why Why can't you show me? <laughs> be great. Even a good length to Williamson's a bouncer. So come on. <laughs> Who's shorter, Kane Williamson, Michael Wood? Oh, I don't know. I, th- I think Wood's got big fighting energy. True. Yeah. He's got, um, he's got that BFE. Yeah, BFE. <laughs> <laughs> That's a family-friendly version. Chris the Goodman Goodrick from South Africa. Let's see what he's got. New song, folks. New song. I don't have the rights to this. <coughs> oh, no. <coughs> excuse me. Excuse me, guys. Um, just was um, munching on a succulent piece of Stuart Island's finest seasoned lamb. <laughs> I seem on it. <coughs> um, let's hear some more from Tom. Yeah. At least we now have a new phrase of the English language. When someone finds themselves promoted to a position they didn't expect, then fails horribly under the pressure, we can simply say, they vinced it. <laughs> that Yorker. Oh, it is a thing of absolute beauty. It is. I, I saw a headline today which I just fell in love with because I love wordplay. I love cricket. <laughs> Mitchell Stark is now the Duke of Yorkshire. <laughs> For two matches in a row, our supposedly long tail has wagged about as much as a dog's does just after it's been struck by a fire truck. England need to work out Matthew Wade at the moment. Matthew Wade. Matthew Wade. I mean, he's got to beat the door down. What does he have to do? Like, I, maybe he ran over Donny's head. <laughs> Semi-final. Time. We made it. We made it through the wilderness. <laughs> like a warner, <laughs> batting for the very first time. Um, yep. Now we're here. It's good. Oh, it's been long, Pat. It's been long. Chris. It's been a lot of games, a lot mate. Of games, mate. A lot of games. A lot of a big lot time. Of games. Yeah. You don't want to biff it now, mate. You don't want to biff it now. <laughs> and we did biff it somewhat. <laughs> we biffed it a little. We did a little bit of biffing. Yes, I actually kind of thought they might give Nick Carey a bit of a run, oh. a bit of a trundle down the old wicket. <laughs> but like, you know, you got to be patient. <laughs> I'm actually now. I'm so keen because Sarah Taylor's back. Mm. And I just feel like I'd like to go get a drink with her. So, Sarah, if you're listening. <laughs> um, also, what hair elastics does she use? Because under that keeping helmet, 
her hair doesn't move. Mine's like all over the shop when I'm trying to wick it. It's just a perfect bun. It's like, where? How? What? So Tom recorded this. How is this for commitment, Chris? Tom recorded this interjection, this bulletin from a Brit, on his wedding night. Um, he recorded it on his wedding night after his first dance. He nipped out, took a minute and a half to just drop us a tape. And, and I, I just really wanted to applaud him for that because that's, that's a huge well, effort. Pat, that's how you describe it. But Tom Hawkey is so committed to two for none. He's so committed to two for none that he says... His wedding interrupted his two for none tape. <laughs> well, so long as they learn the mistakes from the last game, mostly seeing off Mitchell Stark and the Dwarfs opening spells before attacking the rest of the bowlers, they should be fine. Uh, bowling depth, Chris. If we don't get wickets early, how quick well, are we? It's, look, Pat, um, seeing off the new ball, what a revolutionary tactic from Tom. <laughs> said Kane will cane them was the title of the email and he said my report is a little different this week I hope that's okay with a smiley face so I don't know what's about to happen here Bardo I have no idea I'm just going to press play and um, let's let's see what the sticks got been a bit different I uh, I don't know what to say. I'm going to keep going. All I just wanted to do was laugh. Sure. In denial, will need to fire, or it will come down to the wire. You can find the entirety of Michael Wood's cricket epic, Cain Will Cane Them, on the Two For None SoundCloud page for eternity. Back to the highlights. A quick note on the pipes there. What a great set of pipes from Michael Wood. How are yeah. those high notes, Chris? Oh, that's... Um, oh, uh, well, hey, uh, I, that's, that's, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm blown away. Who knows? If we took a trip in my time machine, maybe we'd find a few years hence that people from West Bengal in India are playing up their Bengali identity and supporting their cousins across the border. I'm probably going off into taxi drive uh, hyperbole here, but I do love a good rags to riches cricketing tale. And you know what? I might as well just get it out of my system now. Pakistan would be in the semi-finals if our match against Sri Lanka hadn't been rained off, New Zealand's match against India hadn't been rained off, Bangladesh, South Africa, all the West Indies had come through their close matches against New Zealand, India or New Zealand had won the toss against England, or wides were actually given in our first match against the West Indies. And I'm going to be honest, we deserve to be in the semis, and New Zealand don't. I'm sorry to all our listeners from New Zealand, Ooh. but it's true. Oh, 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 oh. I'm sure he's about to explain Hot that. Hot stuff. Um, I just want to make a point here, Pat. Please, Chris. Um, I would have won a Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> by now if it hadn't have been raining. I'd, I would, I'd be driving a Bugatti, Pat, but it was raining. Um, Chris, I would have invested in Apple in 1984, despite only being born in 1988. 
but it was raining. Although, having said that, I'm not sure if we still have any listeners in New Zealand after the last few weeks. Anyway, New Zealand haven't beaten any of the teams in the top five, whereas Pakistan have beaten two. So we were looking very dangerous to threaten the top three, whereas New Zealand seemed like a team who were just there to make up the numbers. We'd played against England, Australia, India and the West Indies. And South Africa, but I don't know if that really counts. And yet the only man who could hit Almir for a six was Jimmy Neesham from the small island nation of New Zealand. Big shots. Big, Big shots. shots. Do you know what I like? Do you know what I like? What do you like, Chris? Uh, Adam's, Adam's um, uh, first few tapes he sent us, he's uh, been circumspect. You know, he's let a few go. To he's th- had a look at a couple, hasn't he? Keeper. He's mm. just got his front foot defence sorted out. Yep. And uh, got his eye in. He's got the lay of the land. He's worked out that uh, mid-on's up. <laughs> and he's going for a cow corner. Hey, g'day, boys. It's the, it's the Aussie absentee here. Oh, well, it's been a rough couple of days. It's been a rough 24 hours. Oh, we're all excited for Edge Baston. Semi-final. Never lost one before. We've never lost one before. Fiji! It nips back in! It nips back in! Oh Fiji! It's gone for a golden duck! Water! Water! You've redeemed yourself! We love you again! We love you again! Why can you make more runs? There's no love runs! So here is Tom Hawkey from England. Look, before he starts, yeah, like, all, all credit to them. <laughs> they played a good game. Is there anything you need to say to your father-in-law at this point? Oh, yeah. So I got a call from the man. <laughs> this one, I, I talked a big game last time on the pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, You and me both, he, pal. He, he didn't really know what a podcast was. Ah. I made him listen to it. <laughs> I had my wife telling me how to do it. I had my sister-in-law telling me how to do it. I had my brother-in-law telling me how to do it. Even my mother-in-law, who just doesn't care about sport, made him listen to it just so I could laugh. That was a good team effort. And uh, this morning at uh, around 3, 3 a.m. Australian time, <laughs> I, I stayed up to watch the game. I, I, I stuck it through to the end. He's gotten up early for work. Uh Caught the end of the game, called me, hoping I was asleep, was disappointed <laughs> I wasn't, didn't get much out of me, but the, the ringing words were, do you enjoy that one? Sorry, he's from Birmingham. Do you enjoy that one? And uh, yeah, so fair play to the man. Fair play. Fair play. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right. First came the all important toss, which, hold up, there's a boat approaching. Everyone on board is wearing some sort of garish green and gold outfits. Oh wow, it appears to be the Australian cricket team. They must have decided to take a holiday, seeing as they haven't got much cricket to play for the next few weeks. Let me see what they're up to. Aaron Finch just jumped into the water and is playing with a shiny bath toy. I think it's... yeah, it's a golden ducky. Meanwhile, I can see David Warner playing around on the promenade on his skateboard. Oh, he's coming in now for a grind and... 
Yes, he found the edge. Well done, Davy. Way in the distance, I can see Steve Smith trying to start a fire. Close to him, there's a beach party going on. Oh, Peter Hanscom's just arrived at the party. A little late, but better late than... No, 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 cancel that. He's already at the party. <laughs> Alex Carey is swimming in the tranquil waters. Oh, he's in trouble. I think he's stuck on something. It looks like a, a periscope is pulling at his shorts. Oh, dear. He's been caught by a sub. <laughs> Steve Smith is continuing to work on that fire. Marcus Stoinis is chatting up a lady of questionable morals. <laughs> oh dear. She's just thrown her drink in his face and stormed off. Looks like he can't pick up a wrong'un. <laughs> ben Maxwell is slamming back tequilas. Oh, that's embarrassing. He's just missed his mouth entirely. He was far too early on that shot. Pat Cummins is coming down the beach to my right, but I don't think he's seen that someone's dropped an ice cream. Oh, he's fallen to the slip. Such a pity. Smith is really frantically working on that fire. It is looking good, but... Nope, he's run out of fuel. Looks like he won't be producing any ashes anytime soon. Mitchell Stark immediately ran over to try and help get it going but he just wildly wafted a bit of wood around in the air to no avail. Still no fire. Jason Berendorf is marching up and down a nearby Sanju with what appears to be 10,000 men. Oh, he truly is the grand old Duke of York. And that just leaves Nathan Lyon clinging to a rock. His team have left him stranded. Anyway, England played perfect cricket and absolutely crushed the Aussies. And mate, can we just say it right here, right now? Because you brought up the W word, so we've got to say it. Wade. Wade, Wade, Wade. Wade, 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 Wade. Wade? Wade. 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 Whose cat has that bloke run over? MS Donies. <laughs> we've established this. 80s jams on the back of the Cricket World Cup being finished. Christopher T. Party, how are you, big man? Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. That's good stuff, Pat. I like it. I like it. You're on point straight away on the front Thanks, foot. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much. Now the middle of that. Great start. Great start. I think we've seen the introduction to um, musical interludes to uh, One Day International and uh, T20 cric- Cricket. It's about time we brought it to the audio format. Should finish on a positive, finish on a high, and um, judging by um, topless images that made its way into the Two For None group chat uh, <laughs> overnight. <laughs> He's got an interesting chest hair pattern, TK. He's got a couple of... He does, doesn't It's he? really... It's fascinating. He's got like a bird wing up, up top and then there's not much and then there's another <laughs> little bit. Um, you know, he's a unique man and I'm sure it'll be a, un- a unique bulletin. This is Michael Wood, our Kiwi correspondent. Let's hear what he has to say in the wake of this, this crushing defeat New Zealand suffered. I promised the boys I'd write another song today and win or lose, I was fully prepared to do that. However, right here, right now, I don't have it in me. I'm just too devastated. Maybe down the track in like six months I might do something. So for now I'll try and sling some words together. I could get into some in-depth analysis here, but I think I might leave that up to you guys. I don't even know if I have any jokes. I'm going to put my notes to one side and have a chat about how I'm feeling. I'm crushed. Totally crushed. I feel for the boys. 
To finish with a tie and a tie after the super over and then lose on a technicality is a tough pill to swallow. Of course, I say that as a New Zealand supporter. However, if it so happened that we had more boundaries and had won on the count back, I'm not sure I would have felt completely satisfied. This is a new rule. Previously, matches at the World Cup have been decided by least wickets lost. New Zealand would have won under the old rules. I wouldn't have cared if it went on for another two hours. I'm a supporter of playing super overs until there is a clear winner. On the other channel, we had the Wimbledon final of Federer and Djokovic, which seemed to be just as much of a slog. I couldn't imagine in their final set at 12-all that they would have just stopped and had a count back on how many winners a certain player had to decide the championship. In New Zealand's batting innings, there was a long time in the middle overs when we hadn't scored a boundary. But that's just our style, to accumulate runs, rotate the strike and nudge it round. In the end, that style of play cost us, even though we got to the same total England did, playing their new boundary-hitting style which they've developed over the last four years. They are the rules. It's hard to accept it. When it went that way, we were unlucky on the day. And it's semantics. But I think of it as England winning, rather than New Zealand losing. Hi there. Tom K. Hawkey here with a jubilant, exhausted, but ultimately victorious bulletin from a Brit. Look, I had pre-prepared all sorts of nonsense statements to say here in case England won. Somehow, in the light of the drama of the game the greatest game there's ever been. They just wouldn't seem right. After 100 overs, the teams couldn't be separated. After two more, they still couldn't. And so it came down to the number of boundaries hit. Even without the ones that came from Trent Bolt's foot and the back of Ben Stokes' diving bat, England had just done enough. With England walking away from with the World Cup in hand, we turned to our other correspondents to check in about how they thought their teams went. Chris Goodrick, unsurprisingly, had a musical interlude for us, but a pretty unique one, even for Goodrick. South Africa, why do you do this to me? <laughs> I set my alarm for 20 to 3. <laughs> Eating eggies on toast, we watch as we got bumped out by the hosts and lost to the Bangladeshis. <laughs> South Africa, why do you do this to me? I put a bet on with my New Zealand colleagues. We dropped catch after catch with no AB in the match. And the small island nation of South Island, North Island, Chatham Islands and Stewart Island came away with the victory. Mate, so really, really, really fun. Really good. Yeah, no, brilliant stuff, Pat. Um, I think uh, on behalf of all the Tufanun uh, team, uh, myself, Chris Goodman Goodrick, Michael Wood, Tom K. Hawkey, Adam Hassan, Alex Spinks, Heidi Cheadle... Am I missing anyone? No, I'm not. Uh, Sing. How could I? How could I forget? <laughs> he, he'll be upset about that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, Pat, you've, uh, you know, you, you do a tremendous job of uh, putting every episode together, um, you know, uh, bringing energy, enthusiasm, uh, accuracy, optional. Correct. You know, you bring a lot of heat. The line and length is, you know, it is what it is. Um, But uh, no, no. Look, uh, I think uh, on the back of your energy and enthusiasm, um, 
we formed a lovely little community, a lovely little team. And, uh, you know, who knows? Perhaps there's a trip to uh, Stewart Island in the offing. Good day or evening or whatever time of day it is for you. And welcome to Sphinx's Ashes Preview. I was played in there by the theme to Channel 9's coverage of the Benton and Hedges 1992 Cricket World Cup. A time when cigarette and alcohol advertising was so shamefully rampant, you'd confuse a cricket match for being a segment on Shane Warne's <laughs> lifestyle program. Putting that useless piece of information to the side, it's time to look forward to the mecca of cricket. It's our Manchester Derby. It's our state of origin. It's our Bledisloe Cup. It's our Putnam Spelling Bee. It's the Ashes. A tournament that has been so monotonously won by the home side for the last decade, I almost think we should speed up the BCCI's inevitable world domination and play the damn thing in India. Uh, I'm good, Pat, but i tell you what. Um, Joffre Archer hit Steve Smith in the neck and he gave me a headache. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> by osmosis, Bardo. That's how fast that ball was. That's how hard it hit him. Uh, by osmosis, Pat, because we've just got the sad news just before we've come to air, uh, mm, or, uh, just mm. before we start recording, that Steve Smith is out of the next test match. Not ruled uh, uh, fit to play. So yeah. Australia's just going to lose a casual 126-run uh, average performer um, for the next test um, uh, I'm sure as the episode goes on Pat we're going to dive into just how we're going to bridge that gap um, we're going to need a fair bit of the old Sally's handy, handyman to uh, to glue that back together um, now but I can already hear Simon and Garfunkel in my ears saying it's going to be a bridge over troubled water and let me tell you Chris mm. it's going to be a bridge the size of the golden gate maybe two golden gates maybe that giant bridge in China that they are currently building between two countries. Oh, it's going to be a big bridge, big Chris. Bridge. Potentially bridge. Um, yeah. driven by Manus Labashagni, Manus Labashane, colloquially known as Shaggers. Shaggers. Uh, I've recently heard, right. which is warming the cockles of my heart. Mm. Mm. Well, that'll work for the purposes of this podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's the fourth paragraph of my bulletin, and it's high time I mentioned one J.C. Archer. It's hard to remember a more exciting debut for an English player. Coming into the match, people questioned whether he could maintain his intensity for a prolonged spell, whether he could return for second and third spells, and whether he could produce the same pace across consecutive days. I think we got our answers pretty emphatically. The barrage he bowled to Smith was test cricket at its best. Finally, we saw an English bowler rattling the Aussie great. The crowd were baying for blood, but all fell silent when the ball reared up and struck Smith on the back of his neck. Stomachs dropped as we recalled the tragedy of Philip Hughes' death five years ago. Thankfully, Smith was able to return to his feet and only had to come off the ground retired hurt. I spent the first three days of playtime anguishing, properly anguishing, over Ben Stokes' long-form career to date. I must preface this with the statement that Ben Stokes, behind only Steve Smith and Kane Williamson, is one of my favourite cricketers on the planet. Able to bowl 90 mile an hour bullets and the ability to tonk and tickle any bowling attack- Curious, you and I made the exact same face at each other then, which was, Mm. (laughs) that's a surprise. Mm. That's a surprising thing from Spinksy. Mm. Uh, Ben Stokes. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a wrong in actually. Um, (laughs) A bit of a wrong in there. Uh, I mean, he's a good cricketer. Don't get me wrong. He's a great cricketer. Uh, absolutely. There's no reason you shouldn't like him. Absolutely. 
It's just kind of unexpected from Spinksy. Although, if we think about Alex Spinks, what we know is he's got a big thing for Trent Copeland. He loves Peter Siddle. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe in that vernacular, when you're thinking about it as those guys as being your favourite fast bowlers, maybe Ben Stokes fits in that world. It's just strange for me... And you know, I say this as a ginger person. Um, mm. I, I know the I know the struggle. I know the life uh, that Spinksy, such a hardcore one-eyed Aussie supporter, would would be in favour of a Kiwi from Kiwiland playing for England mm. and demolishing us. But technically, there's no reason we shouldn't like him. That's a great point. He's he, he's very watchable. Um, but I just maybe don't. this is one of those cases. I, uh, yeah, I'm sure, with you. Sure. Maybe we should. Maybe we should convert to Spinksyism, but I'm with you, Chris. I just don't like him. Are we so out of touch? I just don't like him. Are we so out of touch? Are we? So, are we, are we, are we? No, it's the children that are it's wrong. The it's the children, that, children are that are wrong. And then, just as Chris and I had formed a firm opinion, the Headingley test happened, and Ben Stokes's extraordinary innings turned our worlds upside down and made us put a couple of pies in the oven. But, mate, I was watching this game. I was watching the test match in uh, Chiang Mai in northern Thailand in, in a small bar, small Irish bar on the outskirts of town. And let me tell you, when Jack Leach strode to the crease um, as the last wicket, I had a couple of choice words to say to a few of the Englishmen around me. Let me tell you, Bardo. <laughs> couple of choice words and um i think you know what i think this whole episode is going to be entitled the humble pie episode because because oh, let me tell you we, we have oh. several serves of humble pie uh to eat um maybe that sort of vibe but mate uh while we're on the humble pie eating um there's two men that you and i need to eat humble pie for mm. um alex spinks and Ben Stokes. Alex Spinks, of course, being our Australian correspondent who's done some wonderful work for us over the last couple of weeks, came out in the pod last week and says that Ben Stokes was one of his favourite cricketers. And, uh, but oh, you and I disparaged that. Yeah. We, uh, really? the, yeah, mate, we did. We we had some choice words to say about both of those people. And I think we... I, I, uh, don't, I don't remember that, Pat. Uh, play back I, I the tapes, Barter. Uh, play them back. In the, <laughs> in, the, in the immortal words of... In the immortal words of uh, Midnight Oil, uh, short memory must have a short memory. That's me, that's, that's me. Glad that Ben Stokes guy's pretty average, aren't we? Yep. Real happy that he's uh, that he's not one of those cricketers I like to watch, because if he was, if he was, I might have been able to appreciate that... Uh, Appreciate that. Um, excuse me. Let me shut this. Appreciate that goddamn heroic performance with bat and ball. Why? Why, Ben? Why'd you have to do me like that, man? You couldn't score that century in a losing cause. You couldn't let Leach face a few more balls. He faced seventeen, Ben. Seventeen. You were on sixty-one when he walked out, Ben. You finished on 135. 135, Ben. Why? Just... Just why, man? Why aren't we yeah. bowling at his nose well, and his toes, Chris? That, um, uh, in my vast experience of watching the game on television, Pat... <laughs> um, <laughs> as someone yeah, that's yeah, listened yeah. to people on television describe the game... However, this would be a pretty poor bulletin if I didn't at least try so let's start with the obvious. That was one of the greatest test innings ever. 
to come in under that pressure and block out the Aussies ball after ball before moving through the gears and top scoring for your team to be the difference in the match takes something superhuman. So, well done to Joe Denley for that top score of 12 in the first innings. <laughs> I said in my Ashes preview that this could be Stokes' Ashes and it seems to be coming true. Uh, there's only one way you're going to die here on 2 for none, and that's through <laughs> cholesterol. <laughs> I would have thought through all the... Yep, oh, yep. humble pie that we have to eat on a week oh, yes, those, those crusts they're just so buttery it's, you know the crust is just so buttery mm-hmm. periods in that test match and throughout the series Joe Root has looked about as thrilled to be on the field as he did that time that he had his photo taken with me uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that was good times the debate around the LBW decision is a moot point for me Cricket has always had that element of human judgment, and if the umpire says you're not out, you continue with the game. Yeah, hold up there, TK. That is where you and I disagree, (laughs) pal, because I have been fuming about that decision for four days, Chris. I pose this to you, Pat. Four days. I pose this to you. What what happens if the shoe is on the other foot? Well, I mean, if the shoe is on the other foot, but I don't know. I'm probably walking around with a cheeky, bloody grin on my face, aren't I? I'm probably... Being quite pleased. I'm just saying that that decision was a shocker, Chris. Do you know, Bardo, that that, uh, the plum farms, Chris, in Victoria, the Golden Valley, Young and Orange, are all now uh, defunct of plums. They don't have any anymore, Chris. You can't buy a plum in Australia because Joel Wilson stole them all. He stole all the plums, Bardo. That's how plum that decision was. But Joel Wilson's gathered them up. He's taking well, them all and he's making himself a plum pie. That's what's going on over there, mate. It's I, well, diabolical. I've got, got a fun fact for you, Pat, about hit Joel me. Wilson. Hit me, hit me, hit me. So in his youth, Joel Wilson um, uh, backpacked throughout Australia. Oh. Uh, and he had a job as a fruit picker. Ah. Right? But he got fired because he kept oh. putting oranges in with the plums. <laughs> You see what I'm saying, Pat? <laughs> no. But, what, what do you mean? He's trying to make some uh, ginger joke here. That joke can't make it quite work. <laughs> we, we retained the ashes, B-Train. Yeah. We retained them. We sure, kept we them. Didn't. We lost the test match, but somehow we won the series. Oh, I don't know that we did win the series, uh, Pat. The series was drawn. We did not lose we, it. We are the winners. Uh, cricket's weird. And welcome to another session of Women's World. And just to mix it up, she's in the studio. Heidi Cheadle, sitting next to me. Lovely to see your face, pal. Wild that we're next to each other. I, I love it. I love it. It's a real mix-up. Hello, everyone. And hello, the world. <laughs> all our viewers. All millions of you. All millions of you. The millions and millions of Two For Nuns fans. If you smell what the hides is cooking. Hey, Pat, what do you think about women's cricket? Uh, It doesn't matter what you think. (laughs) The only thing that matters is what Heidi Cheadle has to say, and that's why we've got her on that pod. This is us doing rock jokes about Heidi Cheadle. I like it. I like it. All right, here we go. Uh, definitely my mum. Uh, she's been listening. <laughs> Not even my mum. Not even your mum? <laughs> Not even Oh, mate, mom. you got to get your mum onto it. What else are we doing with our lives? Um, Hides, I can tell you what the Australian women's cricket team is doing with their lives. They're winning games. They're taking names. They're kicking butts. They are taking no 
prisoners. None. Zilch. Zero. I mean, moments. 100%. I you always know. say, I mean, everybody has to field. Everybody's got to field. you got a bat and you've got a ball, but everybody fields. Everybody's got to field. got to be sharp. You know, R.E.M. Catches actually, win matches, Patrick. R.E.M. wrote a song about it called Everybody Fields Sometimes. <laughs> And I'm just going to give a quick shout out to Digby John Edgar Cullen, DJEC, um, who said to me before the first test, it was like, mate, what's David Warner doing back in the side? You know, he's got no technique. There's no way he can he can flourish in English conditions. It's, it, you know, it's just ridiculous. It's this New South Wales bias. And off he goes. To which I said, Dad, he's got a test match average of 50. You know, he's got... Uh, Oh, nearly 20 hundreds. Like, what do you what do you want here? Are we going to leave him on the sidelines? And my dad's like, mate, he's got no technique. He's got no technique. And it turns out my old man was right. Um, so Digby Cullen, if you're listening, uh, hats tip to you, pal. You are on the mark there. Um, but uh, that's hopefully that's the last time I have to say that on this podcast. But uh, who's captaining this mythical side of yours? It's a good question, pal. I'm not too sure at this point. Uh, <laughs> I haven't thought that far ahead. Is, um, is Smith still suspended? Yes. Uh, until when? Another six months. Oh, that's annoying. All right, well, get out of there, Kerry. You're out. <laughs> you can't, Captain. You're out. Bainey, you're back in. We need your character. Um, just not your... Hell's teeth. But not your DRS yeah, reviews. Um, all right, Bardo. Well, I'll take that. I'll take that on notice. I'm not ready to pick my side yet. I, I honestly don't know. I think it'll probably be pretty unchanged. Um, maybe Usman comes in for Harris. But I think that Travis Head will resume his spot. Oh, of course. Um, and everyone else yep, yep. will be pretty pretty straightforward. Um, Chris, we're running out of time here. We're running out of time fast. And so I wanted to ask you, uh, as our last bit, you and I now, Bardo, we've done a World Cup. We've done Test Series. We've done a whole Ashes campaign. Yep. And I know you're as pooped as I am, B-Train. We need a bit of a holiday. So I want just some highlights from you. You're after, what was... I think we've all said it outside of this podcast. I'm going to say to you now, this has been one of the most incredible test series we've seen in such a long time. It's been such a wonderful competition between bat and ball and and thrilling every night to watch. We've lost so much sleep. And Chris, I just wanted from you a highlight or two, uh, something that you're really going to remember um, and tell your kids about um, from this 2019 Ashes series in England. Well, Pat, as I said earlier, we've quite literally gone from summer to autumn to winter and now into spring. And now back to summer again. It's the four seasons of cricket, folks. And in that, we've managed to get up to 50 whole episodes. Thank you so much for being a part of it, ladies and gents. We appreciate every single one of you. And I wanted to raise the bat to my wonderful team. That's Chris Goodrick, Alex Spinks, Michael Wood, Tom K. Hawkey, Heidi Cheadle, Roscoe Thatil, Jai Singh, Adam Hassan, and of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Christopher T. Barty. Now, folks, it's been a huge time for the B train. He's just got engaged. He's a member on his local council, and he has uh, just got a new job. He's also representing Australia for the Pararoos. So we're going to be very lucky to grab a hold of him this summer if we can at all. Um, but just send you good vibes his way. What an absolute superstar. I also wanted to say thank you to Kevin McLeod. No, not the guy uh, from the TV show. Kevin McLeod from Incompetech Music. I used a song of his called uh, Funkarama underneath as my backing track today. Details in the description. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be back with a normal episode on Tuesday next week. Spinksy will be with me on that because of how things have worked out with Chris Barty. Um, so be excited for that. We're going to view the Pakistan test coming up, give you a preview of it, and Adam Hassan will be dropping by. So will Heidi Cheadle. Thank you so much for being a fan of this podcast. It is totally organic the way that it's grown, and that's all because of people like you listening to it, liking it, and sharing it. Um, So please do that if you haven't. Whip it out of your pocket, folks. Hit that five-star button. uh, Hit that share button and spread the word. That is it for this episode. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to raise the bat to the balcony. Say thank you to all the boys and ladies up there. I'm also going to leave you with a piece of philosophy from Chris the Goodman Goodrick for the ages. One last thing, ladies and gentlemen, and as always, go those Aussies! I must just say, what, what a time, what a time, what a time to be alive.